It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Gotta be feeling good about what Mike White's done today. On third and four, he'll look to throw. In zone, no! Touchdown, Jets! Mike White, how about him? Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Wilson's still going along the sideline. He's not going to go down. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. Rodgers in trouble again, and he's sacked again by Quinn and Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to go inside the numbers from the Jets' loss to the Detroit Lions this past Sunday at MetLife Stadium. So for that, we bring in our stats specialist, Haley English. Haley, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you. So we've got a lot to get into, some interesting tidbits here, both offensively and defensively. We, of course, will start with Zach Wilson. You look at the numbers, and on paper, he threw for 317 yards, two touchdowns. Doesn't look too bad. But then when you start to look a little deeper, you look at his completion percentage, which sometimes doesn't always tell the tale because guys drop passes. Sometimes you throw the ball away. But that's why adjusted completion percentage exists. Haley, talk a little bit about what you saw when you really broke down Zach Wilson's performance from a numbers standpoint after the game against the Lions. Yeah, so Zach was 18-35, uh, which is a completion percent of 51.4%. His adjusted completion percent was only 545 though. I believe that's like the second worst of his career. Um, and that 54.5% is like, that's not good. So only going up 3% um, in terms of like taking account for drops and stuff is not great. So receivers were not dropping passes, um, but he did have his, his highest average like pass length per throw so you saw all of the passes go downfield um he was averaging nearly like 20 yards a pass or something like that but he did have some like good throws like the first um touchdown to cj uzama except it looked good but when you kind of go back and look at the film like uzama was waiting there and the corner had to like catch up to him by the time the ball got there so it nearly like almost was not a touchdown but yeah he had a lot of time to uh, throw deep passes and everything, but um, some of them were just sailing over the heads of receivers, and he really wasn't getting the ball in the right spot at some times, and the receiver had to either like run or stop to get it. So, not his best performance, even though 317 passing yards is very like respectable against one of the worst defenses in the league, but couldn't really get it done enough to get the win. Another classic Zach Wilson performance based on what we've seen so far. Some real wow plays, some dazzling throws that a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL can't make, but at the same time holds the ball too long, indecisive, doesn't see open receivers, misses routine throws. My friend Ron Ferraro said that Zach Wilson makes the hard look easy and the easy look hard. That's a slight bit of an oversimplification, but if you're looking for a quick sentence to describe the Zach Wilson experience so far, that probably does a decent job. A hundred percent. And he looked like he confused the defense for the offense on that really bad interception. So it's a perfect way to put it. Let's talk about the running game. There wasn't one. <laughs> no. Bring us inside the numbers there. 
Yeah, so the Lions defensive front absolutely dominated. Um, Aiden Hutchinson made a really big impact on that game as expected against a pretty much depleted Jets offensive line that's on its second, third stringers everywhere. Um, so Zonovan Knight did get like most of the carries. He had 13 rushes for 23 yards, which is an average of 1.8 per carry, which is god awful. <laughs> and if you look at Michael Carter, he had four for 15 yards. That's an average of 3.8. It's also, it's not great. They were both um, being like respectable at like five-ish yards of carry, especially Zonovan Knight as of lately. Um, the Lions just forced Zach to throw the ball with their really good defensive front. And some a stat that I really liked, well, not liked, but it's an interesting one, is that the, the Jets running backs had zero yards before contact um, for Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter. So the offensive line did absolutely nothing in terms of creating holes for them. Um, so, yeah, not the best run game at all from the Jets. It's kind of remarkable when you look back at what Bam Knight did the previous three weeks with an offensive line that was so poor. He ran out of luck this time with how bad the offensive line has been, but it really tells you about how good Bam Knight can be, especially when he's paired with Brees Hall, presumably, next season. Yeah, definitely. Like He can get those yards after contact, just the offensive line needs to do their job also and not make Knight and Carter do all the work themselves. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Let's talk a little bit more about the passing game because we discussed Zach Wilson. So let's talk about Zach Wilson's targets. And the first one that you have to talk about, of course, is Garrett Wilson, who is now the odds-on favorite by a pretty good margin to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. I believe he's plus 150 if you average out all the major sports books right now. The next closest guy is Christian Watson at plus 350. I would have thought it would have been Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson's old Ohio State teammate, but apparently... Christian Watson is ahead of him probably because of the seven touchdowns. I'm going to say what I say every single time I talk about prizepicks.com, Haley, and that is when you go to prizepicks.com or the prizepicks app, make sure you pick Garrett Wilson as one of your players when you pick your two to six to beat their prize picks player projections because every week I say to take Garrett Wilson and every week he outpaces his prize picks player projection. This past week his prize picks player projection was 51. He had 98 yards. He does it every week. I'm telling you, Ride the hot hand, stick with Garrett Wilson, take him as one of your two to six players. When you take two to six players at prizepicks.com in the prizepicks app and they beat their prizepicks player projection, you can win up to 25 times the amount of money that you put in. You don't have to do football though, you can do baseball, basketball, hockey, whatever it is you want. You don't play against anybody else, just against the prizepicks player projections. 
When you sign up, use the promo code PLAJ, and they will match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So if you put in 100 bucks, they'll match you 100 bucks. Put in 50 bucks, they'll match you 50 bucks. Just go to prizepicks.com or the PrizePicks app. Use the promo code PLAJ, and they'll match your first deposit up to 100 bucks. So another remarkable game for Garrett Wilson. Four catches, 98 yards. And if Zach Wilson had been on target multiple times when he should have, Garrett Wilson would have gone well over 100 yards, firmly in the lead now for Rookie of the Year. He's got 966 yards on the season. He's ahead of Chris Olave, and in all likelihood going to eclipse 1,000 yards during the Jaguars game. That would make him the first Jets rookie to ever get over 1,000 yards as a skill position player, running back or wide receiver. It would also make him the first Jets wide receiver to get over a thousand yards since 2015 when Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker did it and Haley here's a crazy one this tells you how poorly the Jets have done drafting receivers recently the last time a receiver the Jets drafted had a thousand yards in a season was 2007 when Jericho Cotri did it so it's been 15 years since the Jets had a receiver that they drafted that went for over a thousand receiving yards in a season and in all likelihood, Garrett Wilson will accomplish that feat against the Jaguars. But he wasn't the only one that did well in this game. C.J. Ozama had some nice moments. You talked about one before. And Jeff Smith had a career game. I joked on Twitter, Haley, that Jeff Smith resembled Baylor-era Denzel Mims. So talk to me a little bit about what you saw when you broke down the numbers in the passing game with the wide receivers. Yeah, definitely. Garrett Wilson is becoming this down-the-field threat that if Zach Wilson was able to hit him in stride a couple times, he could have easily gone way over the 98 yards that he had. Um, he only had four catches, but so he had an average of 24 and a half um, per catch, which is huge, um, especially for him. And uh, Chris Olave was leading him by 21 yards going into this game, uh, but Olave only had 53 in the game against the Falcons. So Garrett's now 24 yards ahead of him, uh, ahead of Olave now. So I think the offensive and defensive rookie of the year are hundred percent on the New York jets. And you think that if Brees Hall was healthy all season, he would have possibly maybe even definitely gone over 1000 yards, which would be amazing for Garrett and Brees to go over 1000 yards. Um, so yeah, I think the offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year, both on the jets, as far as um, Jeff Smith, he kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I don't like have much information on him because he didn't play the first or he, he didn't play in a ton of games this year and every game before this he had um max of one catch so before this game he only had four receptions for 57 yards all season and he had four receptions for 77 yards in this game so zach wilson had targeted him on three plays in a row um and i don't know why but uh, he was getting open against a really bad Lions defense, and I don't know if that was because Corey Davis was out, so Jeff Smith got the call up. Maybe we'll see more of him in the future. Should get harder for the Jets, though, Haley, because the Jets only faced perfectly covered plays 26.9% of the time, which means that there were receivers open on almost 75% of plays. That is insane. Yeah, the Jets' offense did amazing at getting receivers open um, against the Lions. The Lions uh, coverage defense is one of the worst in the league at creating perfectly covered plays. So they usually only create them about 25% of the time and they've had even uh, worse games this season. So I didn't expect the Jets offense to have much trouble getting open, but 
it just shows that Zach missed so many throws. There were so many wide receivers open. So yeah, 75% of plays, there was no open receiver, but Zach just couldn't capitalize. And you saw like the missed throws, you saw wide receivers open and Zach didn't see them. So that's a part of the game that has to improve. And I'd definitely say that Mike White would have been able to definitely see the open receiver and make those throws. I'd imagine that's why Garrett Wilson showed so much frustration. It would have been nice if he could have held it in, but in the moment you could see where he would have gotten upset. It's funny, going back to Garrett Wilson, Haley, I remember when Mike Davis, who was Garrett Wilson's mentor, former wide receiver for the University of Texas, and for a little bit with the Raiders, and he was with Garrett Wilson since Garrett Wilson was a high school kid in Lake Travis High School in Austin, Texas, and has mentored him all the way up through to now, through his college years at Ohio State. And when I asked him, what are the Jets getting with Garrett Wilson? He said, you're getting a combination of Justin Jefferson and a souped up Stevie Johnson. And Stevie Johnson, for those that remember, was a really good receiver for the Bills. Wasn't an elite receiver, but very good. And he used to give Darrell Revis all kinds of trouble. Justin Jefferson, everybody knows how good he is. And when Mike Davis said that to me, I said, okay, I like Mike a lot, but he's obviously just trying to pump his guy up. But the more you watch, the more you see, he really could be in that elite tier pretty soon. A hundred percent. And I think this receiving class from this past draft is going to be one of the best in the history of the NFL. Like you got Garrett Wilson, who's probably going to be rookie of the year. Chris Olavia's former teammate is also like a stud. J- uh, Jamison Williams um is looking to be great once he's fully healthy and then christian watson is becoming like a gadget player that can almost like be like another debo samuel for the packers so there's a lot of receivers and a couple more that were came out of the first and second rounds that are going to be great in the future haley it's interesting you brought up Jamison williams because obviously we saw him go up against the jets on sunday as a member of the lions and he blew right past dj reed now dj reed did a good job recovering He knew that Jared Goff doesn't have a cannon for an arm, so he was able to stick his arm out and make the play, catching up, even though Jamison Williams had beaten him to get into the end zone, and he knocked the ball away. Overall, a really nice day for the cornerbacks. I can't even believe the stats from Sauce Gardner. From what I remember during the game and what was reinforced after I looked at the stats afterwards, the Lions didn't even try him, and it's not because they were afraid of him. It was because... Guys just were not getting open against him. I wonder when we're going to start talking about how historic a season this is for Sauce Gardner because, yes, this is incredible for any cornerback, but for a rookie cornerback, this is wild. And I think you can make a very strong case that Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed is the best cornerback combo the Jets have ever had because even though Darrell Revis is one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time, I would say that DJ Reed was actually a better cover man than Cromartie. Antonio Cromartie forced turnovers, but a lot of times he would get cooked because he would guess wrong. And so there was a lot of feast or famine with him. With Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, you're getting two very consistent cornerbacks every single week. One of them, Sauce Gardner, who's playing at an absolutely elite level. Yeah. And I, I want to go quickly back to that um, play with Jamison Williams. So the Jets didn't allow Jamison Williams to get a single catch in the game, which was amazing. Um, but on that play, it kind of looked like, uh, he pushed off a DJ Reed a little bit, but, uh, DJ Reed was like able to capitalize on that, um, and get his arm in the perfect spot to be able to knock the ball away. But it could have been a little bit of of a push off that wasn't called, but yeah, as far as, um, sauce, like, yeah, he wasn't targeted once in that game. Um, I was watching the game with my sister and she's like, where is sauce? Like, uh, (laughs) I thought they drafted him so high. Like he should be on the field. I'm like, he's on the field, but 
he is not being targeted because he's so good. So, um, yeah, they have a historic cornerback group right now. Sauce, I believe, has the highest coverage grade for PFF right now, and he's just an absolute star that's maybe even the best cornerback in the league right now. Funny thing about what you just said with Sauce and wondering where he is on the field is that with a cornerback, even though you would love to see interceptions and things like that, if you're not seeing him, that means the ball isn't being thrown his way, which generally means that he's locking up the opposing receiver. So your sister not seeing him or hearing his name all day actually meant that he was playing great. Yeah, exactly. And that's why interception shouldn't be used as like the best stat to evaluate cornerbacks. Like you see Tariq Wollin has I don't, like maybe six interceptions on the year, but he gets cooked a bunch of times. Like I know there's a big debate with like Trayvon Diggs and he's, uh, good or not, but um, yeah, like Sauce doesn't even have the opportunity to intercept the ball because he's locking down receivers so often. That happened to Revis quite a bit, where the interceptions just weren't there because nobody wanted to throw at him. And I think that you saw the reverse of that with J.C. Jackson last year with the Patriots, like you said, with Trayvon Diggs, a lot of feast or famine. Yeah, he'd get you some interceptions, but he would get beat a ton for big plays. I personally prefer the cornerback that doesn't even allow his man to do anything rather than the guy that maybe gets six or seven interceptions but gives up a ton of big plays. That, I guess, is a matter of personal preference, but I've always preferred the guy who's a lockdown corner. Let's stay on the topic of defense now. We talked about the cornerbacks. Quinton Williams not in this game. I know the Jets' defense played very well, but him not being in there meant that the pass rush wasn't what it had been the last couple of weeks. No sacks, no forced turnovers either. Take us inside the numbers with the defense, Haley. Yeah, the defense without Quinnen definitely suffered more than I thought it was going to, um, especially just the defensive line. So no sacks, which I want to say is the first game the entire year that they haven't had a sack, but you can fact check me on that. And no turnovers for, I want to say, the third straight week. So yeah, it's not the, been the best defensive performance, but they, in terms of like pass uh, defense, was like great um i really couldn't ask for much more except for that blown coverage play on that fourth and one um but yeah the last player i just wanted to mention was will parks um he was cut by the jets and i know the fan base kind of outraged them for that um he was cut a couple days before the game and then uh marcus joiner ended up being out with an injury and so they signed him to the practice squad and then put him on the 53-man roster and then he started all within like two to three days which i found insane so Good for him for stepping up when they needed him to. Um, But yeah, not the best defensive performance from the line standpoint. Haley, the Jets now, you would think, are on life support in terms of their playoff chances. But believe it or not, they have a better chance than most people realize. Now, in order for them to actually do this, they are in all likelihood going to have to win all the rest of their games because they play Miami the last game of the season. That one not only could determine their fate, but it could also determine the fate of the Miami Dolphins. So everything may be on the line if the Jets win against the Jaguars and then the Seahawks. If they don't do that, this may not matter. Steve Kornacki over at NBC has given the Jets a 25% chance to make the playoffs, down from 48% last week. The Patriots are even below that at 22%. Crazy enough, the Jaguars, who the Jets are playing, he has at above the Jets because he thinks the Jaguars, based on the remaining strength of schedule, have an opportunity to steal the AFC South away from the Tennessee Titans. They do play each other again, so certainly that's a possibility. And If they beat the Jets, they'll be in decent position for that. 
The Jets at 25% now because it would require them running the table, not necessarily because of what other teams would have to do. Because, Haley, simply put, if the Jets run the table, they are in a very good spot because all it would take is for the Patriots to lose one of their next three games. And here's who the Patriots are playing. They're going up against the Bengals, the Dolphins, and the Bills. Odds of them winning all three of those, not great. So if the Jets can handle their business somehow and win the next three, very strong chance that they get in. But the reason that Steve Kornacki has them at only 25% right now is because the odds of them winning all three of those games, not great. They're facing a very hot Jacksonville Jaguars team with Trevor Lawrence, who is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL the second half of this season. We saw what they just did to the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys have an outstanding defense, so for anybody that's going to say Lawrence can't do that against the Jets defense, maybe, maybe not, but he just did it to a very talented defense in Dallas. The Seahawks are going to be at home, so the Jets would have to go across the country and beat a team in Seattle that is still very much in the playoff hunt. A motivated Geno Smith who's had a really good year and I'm sure will be looking to pay back the Jets for giving up on him. And then that final week going up against a very talented Dolphins team who will be looking for revenge after what happened against the Jets at MetLife Stadium in October when the Jets put 40 points on them because Tua wasn't in the game and Teddy Bridgewater ended up getting hurt in the first series for the Miami Dolphins as well. So Skylar Thompson came in and the Jets went to town and ended up winning that one big. That one, I'm sure the Dolphins have had circled on their schedule for quite a bit looking to pay back the Jets and use it as a way to punch their ticket into the playoffs. So Haley, there is very much a clear path for the Jets but it's going to require them to win all three of these games. It's going to be a very daunting task, and that is why the percentage right now, according to Steve Kornacki, is as low as 25%. Yeah, I think the only locked win, I don't want to say it's like a total lock, but I think the only lock win they have is against the Seahawks. I was more nervous, like in the beginning of the season, I was way way more nervous for the Seahawks game just because of Geno Smith is almost playing like an MVP the first couple weeks of the season, but they've kind of fallen off and I don't think they might uh, make the playoffs. So I think the Jets may have an easy game, especially because the Seahawks uh, defense isn't the best this season. Um, But yeah, the Jaguars may be the tallest task uh, this season, but I think the Patriots easily could go 0-3 through those games. So I don't think it's going to be a matter of waiting for the Patriots to lose. I think the Jets just need to do their job and win out. Um, And oddly enough that it's coming at the expense of the other two AFC East teams other than the Bills. So it would be amazing if the Jets could knock out the Dolphins and Patriots um, from the playoffs, but it's going to be a tall task. Haley English, stats specialist for us over at playlikeajet.com. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the numbers with me. Really appreciate it. Follow Haley on Twitter. Read her work over at playlikeajet.com. Check out everything else we're doing over there and our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has some awesome All-22 breakdowns up there, so watch our videos and subscribe if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quentin Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt, the Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there. tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. 